all that this kind of hyper digitization has done has actually in some ways exacerbated existing biases and reversed others. Magical greetings everyone and welcome to another episode of the World It's Magic podcast, your weekly dose of magic. My name is Rubens, director of spells and co-founder at Abra Academy. Abra Academy believes the world needs magic, not only rabbits in hats, but the magic of people. We use magic to create learning experiences full of joy and possibilities, so that everyone can reach their potential. Magic is about transformation. It is about making the impossible possible. It is about the mind. So we have a wizard today, Julian March. I did some research and I found out that Julian has had an amazing career from hotel bellboy to overnight newsroom runner, news producer, Sky News website editor, ITV head of digital, then NBC in New York, and so on and so on. And nowadays, Julian loves helping vibrant organizations do amazing things as a partner with Positive Momento Consultancy and co-founder of La Piazza Group. I had the pleasure of meeting Julian while he was CEO at Mabel Manny, and since then, we remained in touch. Today, we will talk about digital leadership, storytelling, and burnout. But before we start the conversation, I would like to invite you to think about a question. And the question is, what superpower do you think a leader needs today? Thank you. Julian, welcome and thank you so much for making the time to be with us. Two years ago, we were living the digital era and now we live a digital takeover. We live inside Zoom, we love and die through our phones. How have you been in this space? And how has your relationship with technology changed since COVID? Well, how have I been? Rubens, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be here uh, and to see some lovely faces, including some brilliantly familiar faces as well. So marvellous to see you. Thank you for joining. How have I been? Uh, I'll give you a short answer. I find myself having done a year of my best living this year. And I wonder whether that's because the times have demanded that, really. It is, we have become over well we've, we've we needed to really sensitize ourselves to how we are how we cope uh become much more aware of what's happening both uh, outside to other people to us as a community and of course to ourselves and this has also been a, a big period of reflection uh we'll talk about my period of reflection a little bit later which kind of slightly predates covid Uh, but I think everyone has ha taken the opportunity to to have a look at what they're doing and how they're how they're working uh, and how they're being. Uh, and I know some people are terrified by change and and really struggle with it. But but I have to say that I I find it massively energizing. Uh, somebody at Sky once joked, "I eat change for breakfast." Uh, and and I think that's that's pretty that's pretty true actually. I find ch change really really invigorating, uh, and we are in this continuous state of evolution. And as we'll talk about 
later technology is one of those things which is changing at a, an insane pace, isn't it? Um, so to onto your second answer or question, which was which is how have I been coping uh, in this time and, and with the technology? I think I, I, I've been managing remote teams for, for quite a long time. Uh, while I was at Future, I was managing teams on both sides of the US and in the UK and uh, all from New York and, and, and later in, in London. Uh, so remote work and remote management or leadership weren't necessarily alien to me. Um, but technology in itself just grows exponentially and advances exponentially. You know, look at Moore's law, the, 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 the theorem that the number of semiconductors or transistors in a piece of uh, uh, electronic apparatus doubles every two years or something. Uh, other people on this podcast will be able to uh, elaborate or correct me. Uh, but that's an exponential rate of change. And yet the human capacity for change is basically linear. Uh, save for even the odd cataclysmic event, we're still only really linear change beings. And so therefore, the gap between technology and uh, humans is widening exponentially and presents a real challenge for us to, to bridge. So in order for us to manage that without going out of our minds, we need to change our relationship with technology. And... I believe that technology is, is, a, is, a, is actually, in the whole, a force for good. Uh, a lot of people might fear that technology is going to take away lots of people's jobs, et cetera, et cetera. But to put it very, very simply and possibly slightly crudely, I think that artificial intelligence only really helps us become more emotionally intelligent. It enables us to focus on what we do best, which is be better humans. And uh, being a good human is all about empathy and that ability to connect uh, and actually connection I was thinking about this last night is actually I suppose a kind of a red thread which has really run right the way through my life I uh, my academic career uh, was in modern languages uh, I love modern languages because uh, I studied Russian and German at university my wife's half Italian and I speak French and a bit of drinking Danish as well uh, and the reason I love languages is because it enables me to connect with people on a different level than if I just talk English at them I'm afraid my Portuguese is pretty rubbish though uh, <laughs> uh, but it enables a different type of connection uh, similarly journalism and storytelling is all about a connection it's about connecting with your fellow humans and connecting on a level which is, uh, is, is, is human and emotional, uh, it's the thing which lights the spark in their eyes uh, rather than necessarily raw data. Mm -hmm. um, and taking that forward into the world of business, change and managing change requires really great narratives and stories because you have to make that connection on a human level in order to help people along with uh, that change. Um, and unfortunately, change is pretty much the only constant. That's the only thing we can be absolutely sure of. Uh, so therefore, you, there's always going to be change. There's always going to be a requirement for storytelling to help people through that change. Thank you. And uh, is this connection a hint for the kind of uh, leadership that we need today? What, what, what kind of leadership we need for this moment in time? Well, I talk about digital leadership 
and I would differentiate that or from from the leadership that we've we've seen sort of traditionally and I'll, I'll let me kind of explain what I'm talking about uh, I think the new digital leadership is a product of its time uh, and that's mostly framed by this uh, huge change that we are observing and, and witnessing and experiencing in technology uh, on account of that uh, exponential growth in technology, the, the linear capacity for change in humans. We know all about that, but that brings with it a whole load of other aspects uh, which require um, to be brought into kind of digital leadership. Uh, and I think digital leadership is a lot more kind of holistic. So a, 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 a leader now in, with digital leadership, you need to be much more uh, au fait and aware of technology and its role in society and teams and in the work you do. Um, it also changes how you work. So some of those listening will understand what agile methodologies are uh, when it comes to uh, technology or digital products development. But now we have agile processes in areas like sales and HR even. Uh, and by its very definition, an agile methodology is around a, an autonomous uh, and small team. So if they're given autonomy, that means leading an autonomous team needs to be different to a typically or a legacy hierarchical kind of organization where you're telling people what to do. It, to lead an agile team, you have to help them understand or, or ask them the question, what barriers can I remove for you? So it's a very different type of, of leadership. I think also with this acceleration in technology, we are, uh, there are a couple of things happen. I think we are uh, more reliant or we need more innovation. We need to bring, the, bring to bear the power of innovation much more. Um, and in order to do that, that requires a real um, uh, sense of inclusion. We really, really need to be much more diverse and inclusive in our thinking. Now, of course, you might think that's slightly ironic coming from a uh, graying haired middle-aged public schoolboy, uh, but um, uh, it, it stands to reason that, that you know, to, to innovate, you need to draw on the widest possible pool of ideas and the widest possible pool of lived experiences. Uh, and one singular lived experience or the lived experience of a largely male white board, for example, is uh, not going to be representative either of its company or its customers. So in that respect, in order to innovate and do great innovation, you really need to have uh, that to, to be able to draw on the, the, the widest, um, most diverse group of voices you can possibly draw on. Um, and an, another byproduct, I think, of the acceleration in technology um, is the, I suppose, the kind of accelerated imperative in business uh, and, and in life in general um, and screen time, for example, which, which means that people are under an oppression that they have to be at, you know, what I would call max effort uh, all the time. But if you look at, I'm drawing, coming back to the Agile Manifesto, one of the, the core principles of Agile is that your work rate should be indefinitely sustainable. And I think that's a really interesting concept to take into life in general. 
Uh, I'm a love cycling. Anyone who knows me will know that I'm obsessed with cycling and I'm also uh, somewhat to blame for instilling a love of cycling in other people, uh, some of whom are connected to uh, what listening to this podcast right now. Um, and, uh, and in cycling, it's very, very uh, well known and, and it's, it's very common that you, you, you can't sustain and you can't do max efforts all the time. You have to manage your stamina levels very carefully. Um, and uh, I suppose my only regret in life uh, in some respects or one of the lessons I've learned really is uh, that uh, I needed to take the same attitude to my cycling as I did to my uh, you know, kind of working life in general. And I think I've, I've, I've obviously made that change right now. Um, that you can't live in a, you know, on, on max effort all the time. And um, uh, some of the folk who are listening now will know me and know that I'm very much a all or nothing type. And a, if it's, you know, if you're going to do a job, do it properly type. Um, but that can also be kind of misinterpreted uh, as going hammer and tongs all day long and uh, that's not sustainable right yeah. uh, and I think it's uh, you know really important when you're building and leading teams to understand that uh, to create um, really productive and um, environment where you do your best work and your best thinking you have to create an environment and a work rate which is indefinitely sustainable which also includes allowing the space for recovery but also for inspiration and diversion. And you, you had an experience with burnout. Is it max effort, constant max effort that leads to burnout or do you, did you find something different? And, and what can this teach us about well-being now, uh, your experience, what did you learn along the way? Yeah, um, I think it's a combination of a bunch of factors. And, and of course, you know, I can only talk about my own experience Uh, but I do sometimes see similarities when I when I talk to others who've experienced something similar. Uh, I think it's a common. I think it's partly that that kind of you know uh, unsustainable max effort potentially. Um, you know, I was I've always been really ambitious. I've always wanted to do you know to work really hard. Um, And, you know, that used to manifest itself in getting up at 5.15 every morning, smashing out a session on the spin bike, taking my daughter to school, being in front of my desk in London at 8am after a commute from the shires, you know. Um, uh, so that's part of it. I think also um, being in a, we all know about those, the, the, you know, the comfort zone, the stretch zone and the stress zone. Um, Being too long in that stressed zone or in a place of hypervigilance is uh, extremely harmful. Um, harmful neurologically, but also physiologically. I'm, I'm not an expert, uh, but uh, um, I've definitely ex experienced it um, because you are living on a heightened adrenaline all the time. Adrenaline is your fight and flight hormone, which is the thing which enables you to jump the fence when the uh, the bull is chasing you or whatever. Um, uh, so it's really, really for those temporary max efforts. But once you're living on adrenaline all the time, what the other hormone that kicks in is cortisol, which is uh, a, a, a kind of an override to the, you know, the kind of fat and sugar burning um, uh, byproducts of, 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 or effects of adrenaline. So it tries to uh, sort of suppress all of that. 
Um, uh, and, uh, you know, when cortisol kicks in, which is you know, the real kind of stress hormone, um, that's, that's really dangerous. And, and, and of course, on, uh, over a sustained period of time, that can be cardiologically really harmful, etc. cetera. Um, and when I burnt out, um, I mean, I kind of, I didn't, re- I, I suppose I could have seen it coming in, you know, uh, over about two and a half years. It's amazing. And I think, you know, my nearest and dearest close to me probably did see it and told me about it. You know, my wife's saying, you sure you really, really need to get up at 5.15, you know, um, having got a late train back or what have you. Um, yeah, no, I've just got to do it. Well, I don't, that's, that's, that's rubbish. I was, uh, you know, I was in a, in a, in a, in a you know, a state of, of, of kind of adrenalized hyper-vigilance where you're, you, you know, you just, you, you, you don't, you don't take that kind of step back and those calm decisions. Um, uh, and I think also another layer to, 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 to talk about is, is that, you know, it's not all about work at all. It's about life. Life's complicated. There are lots of different factors in life. Everybody's, everybody's lives are different. You know, in my case, it was an elderly, uh, it's an elderly dad. It's a um, younger sister who's on the most vulnerable list. Um, it's moving countries. It's three redundancies. You know, there's all sorts of stuff which, which you know, just kicks in. And, and um, I'll just use another use another physics analogy you know those are all harmonics if you like and if those harmonics start operating in phase then um then they get they they they, you know those little tremors can turn into an earthquake um and uh you know life can pile up um and so i think that's why it's really important for leaders in business to understand that you know work isn't everything um it's a big part of it it's a big part of life but it's not all of it and and it's also really you know it's difficult for leaders to really understand the full context of someone's life they you know rock up in the office or on the zoom or whatever um uh you know you don't you don't really know what's going on in the background you know um what what circumstances they're dealing with everyone has a very very different um story and one of the things which used to just wind me up in uh, living in the States was, you know, the greeting, how are you? Where you, you know, rock up and you go, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? None of it meant anything. No one really cared or was really asking, no, 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 how are you? And I used to find it really interesting to ask that question meaningfully with uh, people that I worked with in, in my team. And, you know, quite often you, you, the first answer you get was, I'm fine. But if you ask it again, no, how are you? You get a, you get a different answer. Uh, and I think um, in order to sort of help that answer and get the right answer, I think you also have to be able to show some vulnerability yourself. Because uh, I think there are plenty of leaders out there who are you know very happy to project you know instagram style a certain you know kind of filtered version of themselves which is that you know we're absolutely smashing it i'm bang on it i'm working trillion hours a day uh, i can handle anything i'm superwoman or superman or whatever um uh and so th- so that filtered view is the thing that your team see and they think well if i'm not like that then there must be something wrong with me or I'm underperforming or whatever. So then that triggers a state of hypervigilance in themselves because they feel that they're meeting 
whatever standard has been set, false or true. Um, so I think it's really important to, to show that vulnerability and to show that actually, you know, yeah, it's, it's almost cliched now, but it's important to say, you know, it is okay not to be okay all the time. And it's okay to, and I think it's really helpful as a leader to, to, to show, you know, that, um, you know, that, that it's not all rock and roll necessarily. Um, you know, I think I can think of probably only one CEO um, who is very f sort of openly and famously talked about burnout. Um, and, uh, and I think it's, you know, that was a that was a quite a big big stage in breaking a stigma, because um, I think this sort of stuff is still stigmatized. It's it's totally fine to say, oh dear, put a bit of weight on over Christmas, need to go to the gym or whatever, you know. Um, uh, but um, no one ever talks about really, you know, in work uh, whether you're you know anxious or you're um, you know, I don't know feeling depressed or uh, you know you have some other. Uh, you know, kind of mental health issue. Um, and I think it's only really in COVID actually, and one potential ironic kind of benefit of the pandemic has been to uh, shine a light on uh, on mental health and, and, tr and bring it slightly closer to par with the importance of physical health because they are totally and utterly intertwined. Yeah. One thing I'm struggling with is the lack of social contact and just like seeing friends and hugging and meeting people because we are social creatures. The thing I enjoy, I'm enjoying is to have a bit more of uh, an understanding of people's lives because being on Zoom, people are in their houses. Sometimes the, the family is around. So I, I see like something positive there too in terms of presenting another being. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I'm hardly actually presenting the best um, sensor in a in a you know kind of periscope into my uh, life, really, because it looks like I'm in talking to you from a refrigerated lorry. <laughs> um, I won't turn the camera around; it's too complicated. But I, I, I totally agree. It's um, uh, I think that the yeah, I mean, I'm a very social animal. I, um, a couple of people on this podcast will will listening to the podcast will know that I'm a big fan of the bear hug. Um, and uh, it's so it's it's just so important. Um, and not being able to hug people has been probably the worst part of lockdown, I think, uh, or of the pandemic. Um, but uh, frankly, I've um, found I found a way to try and get over that really, which was um, by setting up a, an online radio station uh, at the beginning of lockdown. It was a year to the day actually, um, called Isolation FM, uh, from which I was doing kitchen discos with a, a virtual dance floor on zoom um and i found that uh that was a that was a brilliant way to 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 to, to have a party basically and socialize i am after all an ex-raver and not, not that ashamed of it if i'm honest um and uh and and that was a really great way to bring people together over some music um and and lovely to see but um you're, you're right i think um there, there is no substitute for a good bear hug, is there, Rubens? Yeah. What's the impact of COVID in, in your creativity? Do you think you, you created better conditions for creativity during this last year or worse conditions? Mm. Well, I don't know. I don't think you'll be surprised to hear that I think actually it's created amazing conditions for creativity. Uh, and that's partly because I think that actually creativity is born out of constraint. 
um, and actually the, the you know limitations fuel creativity. Um, you know, if you've got everything in the world, or or you know, if you had all the colours in your in that you could possibly have in your set of pens or whatever, uh, does that make you any more creative than if you only had three? Um, uh, and actually, I think those limitations have really forced people to 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 think differently. Uh, we've seen um, you know businesses adapt. Um, We've seen, you know, um, physical retail businesses become direct to consumer businesses out of the, you know, sort of all of a sudden way faster than they would have done if they'd, you know, uh, not had the pandemic forcing them to do it. Um, for me personally, uh, I think possibly on account of, of, of the sort of the pivot that I made, which was, again, I suppose, pandemic induced in some respects, um, uh, it's enabled me to be way more creative and I've found myself actually just reconnecting with uh, I suppose parts of me which were always there but were kind of suppressed by working full-time you know or over full-time in, in sort of corporate life really um, I've been it's been a delight to come back to uh, content creation whether that be you know DJing on the radio or making podcasts or even producing webinars. You know, it's been an absolute delight. Um, but it's also been brilliant to explore other projects. And I think actually the world of work is um, following that same uh, pattern in, in, in some respects. You know, I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if what we witness is, is, is a sort of transition from, uh, you know, the, the kind of full-time um, or certainly the full-time in office kind of type role uh, to um, much more kind of portfolioification, if that's a word, of uh, activities whereby, um, you know, you can, you can have a, a main project, but you have side projects and, you know, some of them aren't there just to make money. Some are there to just keep you nourished spiritually rather than, you know, uh, nutritionally um uh and so uh yeah i think um i think it really has done i think it's done wonders for creativity in in in, in all sorts of respects actually Rubens. before we jump into the magic questions a question from ezra you talked about connection what's your opinion on the argument that connections is two-way and not all people have receptors for digital connection how leaders can work with this yeah, uh, Ezra, that's a really interesting question, and and I think I, I hope I've, I've interpreted your 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 question right. Um, I think it's 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 really you know uh, digital in some respects can be a real you know kind of equalizer because after all, all we are is that kind of thing, and therefore it doesn't matter if you know oh, look yeah I I could be you know, there could be a shack outside this refrigerated um, uh, you know kind of container that I'm in, um, or there could be a castle. You don't really know. Um, but um, so so in some ways you know the, the the internet is a is a great leveler, but we are still in a world of of massive digital disparity, um, and and therefore. Uh, then you know what about the people who don't have connectivity, or you know the parents of children who have to you know decide whether their 50p goes in the uh, electricity meter, or um, you know, or or in the you know in the uh, weekly food shop. 
um, you know, and that dictates how you know what the, what their child's access to schooling is. You know, um, so there's a huge there is a there is a there's a massive disparity sort of factor there, um, and that's a that's an issue. And and I think ironically in the hybrid environment. Uh, the working environment, which is mixed between, you know, remote work and office work. And some of the work that I've been doing with, with clients recently, you know, we started out from a position that actually hybrid work was all about making people feel on, rem on the remote sources to feel included in a meeting. Um, whereas actually there was a, a counter argument, which is, well, if, you know, everyone on remote has their own little box, like we all have our own little box on this zoom call. Um, what about the six people who are in the office who are sitting on the one camera, you know? Um, uh, so actually, it, you can see it in reverse. Um, you know, in a hybrid working environment, in some respects, the I, I think there's a, there's a um, I, I sort of coined this phrase, I think, which is, you know, it's around inclusion, but the, the notion that, you know, in the old office, you could step out of the office and, and you know, you've got a project, so you step out of the office and you go, right, I've got a little project, uh, and you look out uh, across the room and you see your your person or whatever and you go, yep, cool, I need you. Can you come and do this special project for me? Um, what's great now is that in, you know, in a remote environment, that doesn't happen anymore. So there is none of that kind of visual um, sort of physical favoritism or, or sort of, um, uh, I suppose it's called, you know, a, a, a kind of a visibility bias, I would argue, you know, um, because everybody is accessible all the time um so you're not necessarily going to your go-to's anymore so uh, it's a really interesting question Ezra and I think actually all that this kind of hyper digitization has done has actually in some ways exacerbated existing biases and reversed others um but I think we've just got to be much more attuned to actually what's happening thank you Julian magic questions here we go first one What's your superpower? <laughs> well, my superpower, okay, I've got this jar here. My superpower is that I can actually impersonate a lion, right? So I'm just going to empty this out. I'm just going to do that for you right now. Okay, are you ready for this? I don't want to break the microphone, but listen to this, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Thank you. Thank you for that. Next one, and this is more difficult. Could you share a secret? Uh, yeah. Um, my secret, well, it's no longer a secret anymore, but uh, I was um, approached by MI6 to be a spy. Wow. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. One more question. If you get a magic wand and you can do it, I'm going to get one here and let me get you. Of course, you pretend the magic wand is there. Let me get the magic wand. Magic wand is ready here. You can do anything you want in the world. You can create anything. What would you create or what will you? Well, Rubens, I, I spent quite a long time thinking about this one. Um, and in some cases, you know, it'd be easy to say, oh, I would have just eliminated the pandemic or whatever. But actually, I think, so many of these sort of events have actually brought out some amazing things as well. And, and as I said, you know, has forced us to live more sort of intensely. Uh, so I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say, oh, I want to eliminate all the, 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 you know, the kind of, I don't know, the, the bad stuff that we've, we've experienced recently. 
my magic wand I'm going to use to create an algorithm of algorithms to eliminate bias. Because I think that uh, a lot of the polarity and the bias that we're seeing uh, in politics and you know um, uh, and social media, et cetera, is on account of uh, algorithms, which are of course created by humans who have their own subconscious biases. Uh, but surely if it's possible to create an algorithm, then why is it not possible to create an algorithm of algorithms to mathematically eliminate those biases? Thank you. That's brilliant. Let's go for it. Let's create it. This well, Julian, comes to the end of our conversation. I would like to thank you so much from the heart for your openness, for sharing, for all the knowledge. Uh, thank you and wishing you a fantastic weekend. Thanks a lot. Uh, well, Rubens, thank you so much for having me. It's, I can't believe it um, flew by that quick. I hope everyone else uh, enjoyed it too. Whoa, what a learning. Thank you so much, Julian. This is awesome. I hope you all enjoyed the chat and learned something new. Please follow Abra Academy on LinkedIn, Twitter or Instagram for upcoming webinars and podcasts. And to know more about what we do and how can we bring more wonder to your organization. Unleash your magic. Mm -hmm.